On this episode, if you're slumming it with some cheap beer, what are the best food that you can cleanse your palate with? Also, from the window to the wall, till the sweat drop down my all of the worst club bangers ever. We're going to narrow it down to three. What's our least favorite ones? And Primetime is the name that did not make our best sports player nicknames of the 1980s. Who did? Did people call him Neon Dion ever? I don't think so. Welcome to the Dad's Rank Things podcast. A definitive ranking of the most indefinite things. From the commonsensical to the outright outrageous. Just two dads speaking their minds. Or what's left of them. Welcome to episode 11 of Dad's Rank Things. I'm Jones. I'm Tyler. And today we kick it off with what food pairs best with cheap beer. Uh, us all dads love a good beer, and sometimes the economy can be down, so we need something a little more efficient. Uh, and cheap beer, there's lots of different good ones out there right now. Uh, Natty Light obviously came out with Natterday just recently for the summer. Oh, yeah. That's been a hit on social media. Uh, so we decided to rank the best foods that do go with most of the cheap beers. Uh, my number three is going to be a pretty common one. A common theme that we'll establish is with cheese. Okay. So nachos with jalapenos. Uh, I almost stop with nachos because we all know that cheese is the reason why we're all here put on this earth. But jalapenos is a must for cheap beer, specifically as it will help with the removal of that regrettable taste. And, and some of the spice. Correct. You yeah. know, it's like you can do the milk or cheap beer yeah. or you know you don't want to waste away your expensive beer getting rid of the the fiery hotness in yeah, your mouth just put out the flames so what i tried to do and i i was unable to pick like one for number three for me but i actually tried to pair a certain beer with a food uh so my number three food that pairs well with cheap beer is wedding cake <laughs> that's right white is my preferred flavor of wedding cake but there's just something about getting a cheap draft in your plastic cup, setting it next, setting it next to your wedding cake with your plastic fork, and eating on that wedding cake and sipping a cheap beer. It just makes sense. I kind of get the the uh, special event, the special occasion that you're having that cheap beer for as well. It's it, okay in that time. Frame. Yes, it, it it releases good endorphins. You know, yeah. people are getting married, everybody's happy. You got your cake. Yeah. I mean, come on. It just tastes better, right? Right. Uh, my number two is grilled cheese. Oh, good one. Now, before you judge, yes, I do have an unhealthy, both physically and emotionally, relationship with cheese. But a grilled cheese sandwich in particular takes care of two things when it comes to cheap beer. First of all, you're getting the high sodium, which will not only make you more thirsty, but also add some edumame, some overall flavor on your palate. Wow. It also gives you that texture difference. allows you to move around your mouth hole and experience something different and get, prepare more for more of some of that gut-wrenching hop urine that you're going to take in interesting i like you know what i'm going to do i think i'll stick with the same theme that you're sticking with and if i'm going to have a pbr right <laughs> That's the, definitely the, cheap. the ironic beer of the century right i'm going to have a craft mac and cheese pairing with pbr but i'm not going to stop there i'm also doing the the cut up hot dog in <laughs> to make it cheap so you don't you know you got cheap up the craft so I'm, I'm cutting up my hot dog, I'm putting it in the mac and cheese, and I'm having my PBR with it. I think that's a quality pairing for cheap beer. If you start a restaurant that has a hillbilly theme, mm -hmm. that is the number one value meal that you would present. Yes. Would be Kraft mac and cheese with cut up hot dogs and a PBR. The question is, <laughs> do we have listeners that 
that think that that's country. Oh, I hope so. Uh, you hope so. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that that would be another great list to have. Is what is the extra value meal on a hillbilly restaurant? <laughs> we we could do that. We could rank that. Do you think there's people that have that listen that haven't tried it? Well, yeah, I, I would think so. You gotta live a little. You put some hot dogs in your mac and cheese, people. Cut it up. <laughs> uh, my number one is a burger. There's no equal to any beer, cheap or nasty or expensive and fruity, other than a greasy burger hot off the grill. In fact, I'd like to propose our first dad law into legislation. Whoa! I wasn't ready for this. If a dad is grilling a ground beef patty on a summer weekend, you are now required to have a beer in hand. The first dad law. Uh, seconded. Okay. Law passed. There, there is nothing that beats a, beats a burger and a beer. Nothing. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I had that written down like three times. And I was like, ah, you know, I can do better. What else have I had with this? I, I'm going to have a beer when I eat a cheeseburger, or definitely when I'm grilling. Mm-hmm. But how can I think outside the box? So I went with my number one favorite cheap-ass beer uh, for my number one, and that's Natural Light. That's right, Natty Light. Uh, I call it the nectar of the gods. Uh, and Who calls to- it Natural Light, by the way? Not to interrupt the chain of thought, but Natural Light... Is there a sane no person really alive that calls it that? No. Uh, in fact, it don't. If you try to search natural light, it actually goes to like gr- the greenhouse effect and like getting more light from the <laughs> earth into your business place. <laughs> so, that brand doesn't exist. I'm so sorry. So if you're googling, Google Natty Light. Uh, but my pairing with Natty Light, I'm gonna go Totino's Party Pizza. <laughs> We grew up on those people. You know that if you're listening to this program, you grew up on those five dollars. Like, would you like five for ten? Oh yeah, it's got to be. Oh, it's probably one fifty back in our day. One dollar fifty prime heyday. Uh, I did some research on our good friend Natural Light. Uh, the the most research I could do was from 2017, where they sent out 2.4 million barrels of Natural Light in that year. Weirdly enough, Jones, it was down. 8% 8% from 2016. And then you let off this segment yep. talking about their newest product, Natterday. Yeah. Uh, so maybe... Strawberry that's lemonade the, beer is going to bring them back. That's right. So you go come out with back. a little different twist on an old product, and maybe you'll get those sales back up again. So there you are, in your dancing prime of your life, sitting on the sidelines in your favorite club, or just a club that people made you go to because it was past 1 a.m. and people wanted to drink still. Nonetheless, there you are, wearing your best dancing shoes. And that song comes on, and you're gravitated to the dance floor, and you don't know why, and you start dancing, and you're having a great time. But you look over, and there's your friend, not enjoying the same song that you're enjoying. The question is why. You're going to answer that question. We're going to answer it right now. Because we're going to talk about the top three club bangers in our time that we really can't stand. First of all, let's establish where our timeline is. Okay. What was your, when was your peak time in the club? Probably just the 2000s. Okay. I'll be right there with you. Okay. That, that, that was peak. That's my peak time. That's where most of my songs originate from. Okay. We're, we're in the same time period then. All right. Okay. What's your so, number three? Yeah, number three for me... Uh, is the song Fire Burning by Sean Kingston. Actually, uh, 
in the Midwest became a little bit popularized by a girl who remixed it to Colby Rasmus fire burning in the outfield yeah uh which was uh, got a lot of hits on the youtube but mm-hmm. nonetheless uh sean kingston fire burning never got into it uh, i'm not sure if this was one you got out on the dance floor too too often but... not too much i wasn't a sean kingston fan there's something about the uh the youth of that big boy that <laughs> I just didn't appeal to me uh was it the repetitiveness of the song that you, you just didn't like or the beat or what I was think it? it was like the horn I'm out. Um, My number three was Raiden by Chameleon Air. Released in 2006 and instantly recognizable from the first beat in which everyone has to sing along. Yeah. And then you get inside your blood starts to boil a little bit. Uh, You know know you've made an annoying peak when Weird Al Yankovic makes a parody song about it. White and nerdy, right? Exactly. (laughs) I'm going to try to, I'm, I'm pairing up here, because, like, honestly, there was a moment in time in my research where I kind of thought they, these two were the same song. Okay. Uh, one of them is uh, Low by, by Flo Rida featuring T-Pain. Yes. And the other is Get Low. Okay. By Lil John and the East Side Boys. Right. Those are different songs. <laughs> yeah. Released all around the exact same time. Both played in the club. Right. Both horribly annoying to me <laughs> i can't i can't do i can't do to the windows to the wall and i also oh can't, no Come i can't on, do it i think it's horrible i never liked it you ski ski no Come no ski ski for me i also cannot do apple bottom jeans boots with the fur boots with the fur our commenter on facebook uh, ricky said the same thing he can't stand boots with the fur uh is one of those songs similar though the first five or six times you heard it was it catchy yeah, you knew all the words. But by the 500th, 600th time, it was, it was done <laughs> with it, right? Uh, yeah, Apple Bottom Jeans one I never got into. It no, was annoying didn't. from day one. Okay. The other one, uh, you know, a little skeet skeet. And then, <laughs> but once you see the windows of the wall, like in the club, people doing it, I'm like, I'm out. This is, dude, what are we doing? This is the the, uh, the the guiltiness factor coming to me. Every single time that song played, okay. I had to do the motions with it. It was like the Cupid yeah, Shuffle at weddings. It, it, that was the club. Oh, that was the, yeah, to the wall. And then you point it the other way. It's like to the wall. Yeah. And then you got to, you know, touch the balls. Yes. Because the sweat, sweat is dripping. Yes. Perspiration in the testicles. Uh, my number two is another one that was a sing-along favorite. Was "Work It" by Missy Elliott, song from all the way back in 2002 that is lyrically 85% non-dictionary back gibberish. Because wait for it, the words are backwards. Is that word? Is that what yeah? They're the word flipping are? Are? Yeah, that, that's that's, that's her repping backwards the words. Besides the song, she also brought the term "badonkadonk" to mainstream. So much so that even in the hick cow-picking town that is my hometown, Novinger, Missouri, we were using it. Really? So thanks, Missy. But Dunkadunk made Badunk-a-dunk. it to, the, to the, yes. the hills of Novinger? Exactly. I mean, uh, obviously, for me then, uh, number one, and there's going to be a story to follow this, but it's not going to be my story. Uh, my number one is uh, Crank That by Soldier Boy. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so I think for me refusing to learn the dance paid off uh a for my maturity b uh for me hating the song further in life now because now i'm like man people like i don't know jones going out there doing every dance move like why do you know the dance moves why do we why why you look 
Yeah, go ahead, Jones. The the reason I caught on this song is because I got in on early. Like yeah, as soon yeah. as I saw the music video, I was doing the dance in the club. Nobody ever seen the dance before because apparently nobody watches music videos anymore. No, <laughs> Even back in two thousand six. So th- this was my jam. Like if this song came on, people in my friend group would look to me and know that something was going to happen. Back in my day, uh, Jones, your song's on, right? Yes, exactly. If you were like. I'll use a, a 2000s term or 90s term. If you were macking on a chick, they'd be like, whoa, whoa, Jones, stop talking. Your song's on. Actually, this song had the reverse effect on everything. Because back in this time, if I didn't have 20 feet in my geographic region to dance to this song, oh, somebody was getting punched. Because I, yeah, I had to have that space. You were full on doing yes, every Whenever you do the Superman, Superman. that hoe, somebody's going to get Superman. So I had to have space. I love that song. I know. Just, the, I, 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 I had to bring it up. Sorry. We, yeah, I, you know. <laughs> uh, my number one is something uh, probably a lot of people are annoying by was Yeah by Ursher. Released in 2004. It's one of those songs, again, where it was catchy, a little bit on the radio, but then you started to hear more in the club. Uh, you just wanted you wanted to get rid of it. People, I, I, I think I said this recently to someone, like, oh, I just can't stand that song. And they said back to me, are you kidding? Yeah? Right. Everyone loves that, and I'm like, no, no, they don't. Like I, you're right. The first couple of times I heard it, I was like, oh, this isn't bad, and then it right. was everywhere immediately over for me. Neither one of us had the Cupid Shuffle. So uh, Cupid Shuffle was on my do not play on my wedding list. Oh wow! For the reception, DNP that yeah, bad do boy. not play. Uh, the DJ played it twice. <laughs> you know the the song, the, the saying I mean, they say, "Happy life, happy happy wife, happy life." Yeah. My, wa- my, my life did not start out on a happy note. She <laughs> oh, was bitch. She was pissed. There goes his tip. The Cupid Shuffle is one of those that it's annoying because everybody has to do the same dance at the same time. Yeah. My my, my wife made a comment when we were talking about this, and she said uh, she just hates how like people act really relaxed and cool from the waist up. Like right. they're not really doing anything, but like their feet are still doing the Cupid Shuffle. You know, they're that freaking cool. They can they can like look around the room and not have to think about it because they're doing it. You know, and I'm like that is kind of an annoying fact of the song. Yeah. I would say you can always tell a douche in the room by somebody who knows how to do the cha cha a little too well. <laughs> Everybody knows the nickname Air Jordan or Magic. Oh yeah. But what are some other nicknames from the '80s that would be all time greats? So Tyler and I are going to list the best sports player nicknames of the 1980s, uh, and we'll vary across the sports. We're not going to stick to one sport either. Yeah. My number three is the microwave, Vinny Johnson. Detroit Pistons, baby. The nickname that actually came from Danny Ainge because Vinny could heat it up in a very short amount of time. He most famously played for the Bad Boy Pistons teams, won two championships with them. Little known fact: after he retired, he became even wealthier by cashing in not making microwaves, but oh. car parts. He has one of the biggest car manufacturing facilities in America. I make car parts for the American <laughs> working man because that's who I am and that's who I care about. Kind of makes sense since he's from Detroit. Every season, I coach college soccer. Every season, it's a requirement that we watch bad boys at some point during the season on a road trip. Yeah. So, Vinny, I know well. Um, for me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I'm going to go with another, actually, one you could find some more information about on a 30 for 30. This is not a promotional video. ESPN doesn't pay a shit. Uh, but I'm going with William the Refrigerator Perry as one of the best nicknames of the 80s. 
that's my number one. Oh, I stole it, didn't I? <laughs> I stole it. But let's give give your reasons why why he's your why you three. Um, I'm sure you're going to give us a lot more information. I it just has like a bad taste now because I after I've you know seen the thirty for thirty. I was only like four when all this happened, but you know he now is like the touchdown vulture, right. stealing <laughs> sweetness Walter Payton's glory and making him upset about the run to a Super Bowl for the Chicago Bears. So you know there's he's got a bad taste in his mouth, but the celebrity <laughs> status that came with that nickname uh, is almost unmatchable for 1980s sports. Yeah. Uh, again, another fan favorite. So if you were a Bears fan, then then you loved. I didn't even know his first name was William. I had to be re- reminded that was his name. Everybody knows by the, the, fridge. the fridge. He's a fridge. Yeah, he's a fridge. Uh, his athleticism set him apart. So I don't know if you knew this, but back in high school, he was over three hundred pounds. Mm-hmm. But he ran a hundred meter dash in under eleven seconds. <laughs> and supposedly, he could also do a three hundred sixty dunk on a ten foot hoop. So yes, wow. a complete rotation. The three hundred pound man doing it on a ten foot hoop. Wow. You know how he got the nickname Refrigerator? Enlighten us. So his college roommate, they were squeezing into an elevator one time with some laundry they're going to wash. He says, man, you're about as big as a refrigerator. <laughs> that was it? That's it. It's stuck. It's stuck. <laughs> well, the refrigerator didn't stick. But <laughs> the elevator still moved is what we're saying. They're, yeah. they're alive now. Interesting. All right. My number two, I got rid of, I guess, this is my list. So I got my number two is Nails, Lenny Dykstra. Just as a man, that's a really good testosterone boost to be named after a carpentry tool. If you're a hammer, <laughs> screwdriver, <laughs> tin snips, I mean, it's it's a pretty boost to the, the ego. Uh, Dykstra came up with the Mets in 1985. Fans soon nicknamed Dykstra Nails for his hard-nosed play and personality. I remember Lenny Dykstra as, yeah, like a hustle guy. Right. But I also like the the amount of chaw that he had in his cheek <laughs> at yeah. a God-given time could have set records in and of itself. I don't know how he played baseball. With I mean, there was a baseball, and then there was like a baseball-sized cheek sticking out filled with, with tobacco. Right. Uh, he amazed me with that quite often. After retiring, he had a little bit of a rough patch. Uh, he had filed for bankruptcy several times, charged with multiple counts of Grand Theft Auto, and even more recently, hit the old meth train. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Lenny Nails! Just a few months ago. Say it ain't so. Yeah. Oh, man, that's new to me. I didn't know that one. Uh, but I, I knew he, yeah, life was rough for Lenny Dykstra <laughs> post-baseball. I didn't know we got on the meth train. But. Yeah. yeah, we all go there once or twice in our life, right? Uh, number two for me, um, it's a duo. Okay. It's a duo. The Bash Brothers. Yeah. It's a term now. It's just kind of part of your vernacular. Right? Two people doing well together. Hey, there's mm-hmm. the Bash Brothers, right? But Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire. And I, you know, the success that came with this group, right? The Oakland Athletics went to three straight World Series from I didn't know that. 1988 to 1990. Uh, huh. And one of the reasons was these two uh, young sluggers they had who won back to back Rookie of the Year awards in 86 and 87, Canseco, then McGuire. Uh, and during the full seasons that they played together, which was ni- uh, 87 to 91, they won a combined three home run titles, each hit 30 or more home runs in four seasons, and played for the American League and the All-Star Game a combined nine times. Mm-hmm. Big Mac, which is also a nickname we could also go, and Canseco helped the A's win the World Series in 89 when they swept the Giants. I'm pretty sure that was the earthquake 
right. World Series, yep. if I'm not mistaken. Uh, my number one nickname of the 80s is the Round Mound of Rebound. I thought about that and one. That's right. Chuck, baby. Charles Barkley selected to the All-NBA team five times. Uh, he earned, what, 11 NBA All-Star appearances, All-Star MVP 91, uh, was voted the league MVP, uh, named one of the 50 greatest players in NBA history. On the round mound of rebound, though, this dude was 6'4", led the league in rebounding several times, and he was overweight. Pretty much, yeah. He was and, and, never and, what a typical NBA player, even Especially today's. in that time. In yeah. that time, most NBA players were sticks. I mean... Yeah, l- more lanky, skinnier... Look at Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Like he weighed yeah. two fifty wet, and he was seven three. 